desire can be a tricky thing. Sometimes it's obvious, such as the lust after another person, one who sets your heart aflame while meeting you in the most precious moments of your life. Sometimes it's more subtle, as when you find the perfect morsel of food in the midst of your meal. Desire can cause our pulse to race, our cheeks to flush, and our mind to be in calling out for the smallest piece of satisfaction. I am calling from Elm Lake. The town of Elm Lake has been strangely quiet since the events of the Moon Festival. Not initially, of course, because there was a lot of activity around the festival itself. And in the first couple of days, it felt like there was a mad rush of customers trying to get to the glass eye. I don't know if there was a time that the store was open without multiple customers inside, all of them clamoring for the dolls that had been witnessed on stage with Jonas Tompkins. Well, not those specific dolls, of course, but dolls from the same creators. Dolls that clearly spoke in some way to their owner. Those that already had their dolls had retreated to their homes, content to stay off the streets and the craze that was happening around them. For the rest, it was an almost intoxicating rush as so many people went to procure their custom-made companions. I don't quite know how they did it, but Samantha and Marissa were somehow able to fulfill every single request. I didn't step into the glass eye myself, mostly because there were so many people inside, but I never noticed any dolls on the shelves through the large picture window. Even with that, however, there wasn't a single person in town went without once they'd gone in. I thought that perhaps Jenny Fowler had been lucky when she got her own early in the morning. But the glass eye kept up with demand. Along with the rush to procure those dolls, there were other surprises in store for me in the days after the Moon Festival. The first was that the Owl's Nest Diner seems to have closed. No, not closed exactly. More specifically, it's vanished. In the spot where it once stood is the blank wall. The wall keeps shifting, but it's most consistently a blank wall. Once it looked like an apartment complex, Another time it carried the drab bearing of a government building, 
There was even a moment where it appeared as a bowling alley called the Dark and Stormy. But through all of those incarnations, it has reverted to a blank wall. It's probably for the best. As I've mentioned, they spent far too much effort on the creation of their substandard breakfast sandwiches. But it is always sad to see a local business shutter its doors. Even if those doors are constantly changing and the business had no choice in the matter. That brings me to my second surprise. That was found in the sudden appearance of Lorraine Powell on the path towards my little broadcast studio. I hadn't seen Lorraine or... uh, What's his name? Since the diner closed. And I admit that I was struggling to remember that they'd ever existed. Without warning, however, Lorraine was just ahead of me as I was walking towards the studio one day. A spring in her step, her hair pulled back into a tight braid. She was smiling. Not the kind of smile you'd expect to see from someone whose business had completely vanished from underneath her. No, this was the kind of smile that actually reached her eyes. And she was humming to herself. She saw me waved and showcased her newly acquired doll. It was cute in its own way. His name is George, she cooed at me. Something about the name pricked at the back of my mind, but I couldn't quite place why. Instead, I just congratulated Lorraine on her purchase and asked how she's been getting along. She looked at me blankly as though she weren't expecting me to be standing where I was. And then she held George up to her ears. Oh, we're doing fine, just fine, she said, smiling that broad smile. For a moment, the smile disconnected from her eyes and a flash of concern ran through them. Then she was right back to where she had been before, joy emanating from her. I should get going, she said. Big day of digging at the hill plant. Gotta find out what's under the cabin. George says it's important. With that, she practically skipped away. I tried to wrap my head around any of the things that Lorraine was saying, but none of it seemed to want to stick with me. I retreated to my studio for the day, only looking back once to see if I could track which direction her skipping form was headed. I couldn't find her, but that isn't terribly surprising with as many turns in the road as there are. The third surprise came three days later. Once most of the excitement around the glass eye had died down. It was that day where I saw Andrea Marone sitting on the curb outside of the blank wall where the, um, business of Lorraine's had been. 
she was looking down between her feet, her eyes distant and focused. Before her lay a small doll, dressed in an apron and brandishing a toy spatula and carving knife. I intended to keep walking, but she suddenly lifted her head, looking directly at me, her eyes shining with something that was close to tears. I wasn't quite sure how to start. It feels like I've known Anthony forever. Of course, all of us in Elm Lake have. There's something special about this town, and it definitely keeps us connected. But when I looked up at Anthony, it almost felt like I was looking at him like he was a complete stranger. It took me a moment before I was able to fully recognize the person standing before me. And a large part of me didn't want to believe it. He doesn't have a doll. I don't know how or why, but he doesn't have one. He stammered something about only making it into the glass eye once, but that shouldn't have prevented him from getting a doll. In fact, he's been inside, so clearly he should have one. But somehow he doesn't. I don't know if I should trust him completely, or even if I can. After all, if he doesn't have a doll, does he not have wants? No desires? That's what they provide, you know. They are able to give us something that we wanted. I got one that's able to help in the kitchen because I long to have another chef to work with. Of course, the doll can't actually help. It's just a doll. But her dressed in that fashion with her cooking tools makes me feel comfortable. It's crazy though, I didn't even realize how badly I wanted someone to cook with me until I got the doll, and now the pang of want is sharp within me. By the same token, it does feel somewhat less full of ache than I expected. Maybe it's just being able to put a name to such a desire, to put it into specific words that helped me truly understand. But Anthony... He who stands without a doll from the glass eye. How can you possibly trust someone who doesn't display any wants? I hear Andrea speak, her words spilling out slowly, pouring like a syrup. Thick and full of sweetness, but just a little cloying. What you want, Anthony, they give you what you want. What is it you want? She inquired, the question heavy with accusation. even want anything? Is that why you don't have their gifts? I don't know exactly how to answer her. 
Of course I have wants and desires. After all, I'm just like other people on Aspect. Maybe I've just been so used to looking at the world through this chronicling lens that I've forgotten to look inward often enough. And I've lost sight of the things I'm craving to fulfill my own life. I'm going to take Andrea's words to heart. But not right now. That time of reflection is further off. And it will just have to wait. Just like Andrea is waiting. Calling from Elm Lake, episode 36, What You Want, was written and produced by Sean Monahan. The voice of Elm Lake is Sean Monahan. The voice of Andrea Marone is Chantal Houston. Opening and closing themes written and performed by Sean Monahan. All other music written and performed by Matt McInnes. Find out more at machinismusic.com. Thank you for listening to our ongoing tale. If you've enjoyed our story so far, please leave a rating and review. Word of mouth will help us continue to grow and unfold new stories within our universe. You can also join us at www.patreon.com slash calling from Elm Lake to help support us as independent artists carving out our own space in this creative world. It is not a noble pursuit to stand alone in the world, proudly proclaiming that there is nothing that you want. Whether those things are material, social, or societal in nature, having wants and desires helps to keep us driving forward, giving us a goal to keep our sights on. Standing apart from that gives no impetus for forward movement and causes us to languish in a space filled with apathy and bordered by entropy. Be careful to always hold wants and desires precious, but do not let them be your sole drive in life either. Through blind pursuit, too many problems can arise, leaving us defenseless to the whims of those outside of our fields of vision.